Hendon Hooker played David to Alabama's Goliath. TCU comes all the way back on Oklahoma State, and USC is undefeated no more. We're going to get into all of that right here on College Fantasy Tonight, presented by CampusCant.com. But before we do that, go ahead and subscribe to the channel and like this video. If you want to help us grow the College Fantasy game, the C2C game, then go ahead and do that. It's free. It's free. It's free, and it'll always be free as long as you support us right here uh, at campus2can.com. John Lobb is going to join us, and we start every college fantasy tonight with the rundown. That means I should be hearing the music in my ears. That's what I have no spare in my headphones. Where is the spare reference? All right, <laughs> let's bring in the gridiron scholar himself, John Lobb, a contributor at Fantrax, and you can find his work at the Rookie Big Board, patreon.com slash rookie big board. John, you covered Alabama, Tennessee today for us. As our guest, Alabama was a eight and a half point favorite, but they'd lost on the road today in Knoxville. That was one of the best regular season games. I've been watching football for 40 40- years college football that was just unbelievable i've seen great games in the in the championships great games in conference playoff games but this regular season game had absolutely everything you ever wanted it was dramatic the plays that were made to go down to the fourth quarter i mean Hendon hooker at 385 yards and the crazy part is Bryce Young at 455, and no one's talking about him. I mean, Hendon Hooker showed us the skills and the ceiling that this young man has as far as an NFL prospect. He came back to the environment. They're undefeated. 12.8 yards per average, five touchdowns. And you know what I loved about him most, Felix? He made some mistakes. He threw an interception. He fumbled the ball, which Alabama, I believe, returned for a touchdown or they got it real close to the end zone. And he stayed in the game. You know what? He led the team back. We were chatting before the show. What did you say? They had 15 seconds on the clock. And he drove them. And he drove them to the field goal. He made the plays in a packed stadium against Alabama. The only thing that would have been better is if he was on the road. That is it. And Bryce Young, the young man didn't play last week. I know he's a little undersized. I get it. But, man, when you are talking about talent, arm, arm, the accuracy, the arm strength, the ability to manipulate the pocket, Bryce Young is the entire package. I do not know how he does not get one of the top two picks in the NFL draft. He's just too talented. We need quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm sorry. You just don't find young men who can play the quarterback position as well as he can. He's a better prospect than Tua Tunga Viola. He's a better prospect than Matt Jones. And I mean, what more do I have to say? And you know what? Felix was most impressive in my book. He doesn't have good receivers this year. He does not. He doesn't have first-round picks. He does not. Hendon Hooker might be a first-round draft pick. 21 for 30 on the day, 385 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, adds four for uh, 14 for 56 on the ground. Jabari Small, Jabari Small, excuse me, adds 12 carries for uh, 53 yards, one touchdown, two for 23 through the air. Jalen Wright also chips in on the ground, 12 for 71. Cedric Tillman, Cedric Tillman uh, not there, injured, but they didn't need him. Jalen Hyatt has his breakout of all breakout games, six for 207 and five, five touchdowns. Uh, Brew McCoy, shout out to the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. Not, not big in this one. But set up the uh, the the field goal the fi- on the last drive with 15 seconds left has the catch before that field goal is kicked just two for 38 on the day but big win for Alabama and then John Lobb like, as you were saying Bryce Young Jameer Gibbs and company they played well, well in this one but just not enough to to take it home in Knoxville yeah and Jameer Gibbs I don't know what anyone isn't seeing in this young man he is 
unbelievable. He can run the football between the tackles. He has long-distance breakaway speed. He can get to the outside. And Felix, he is a tremendous receiver. Tremendous. And that's what we want in fantasy. I do not understand. Was it because he went to Georgia Tech? He was only a four-star candidate. I don't care about that. We're three years removed from high school. Who cares what his high school ranking was? All I know is I look at his three-year resume between Georgia Tech and Alabama, and this young man has everything that you are looking for. He's been unbelievable running, and more importantly, catching the football. Had last this week he has 24 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns, five for 48 through the year. He's been uh, an asset in every aspect of their offense, just as we thought he would coming in from Georgia Tech. Jake McClellan, his clear backup, three for 15 on the ground, three for 22 through the year. We thought that Jermaine Burt would be the leading receiver taking over that uh, Jamison Williams role. He was not on the field for large portions of this game. Of this game, He ended up having some big catches, two for 49 in this one. I don't really see how Jermaine Burton comes out after this year and enters the, 20, uh, the 2023 NFL draft. We'll see. Ja'Cory Brooks continues to get better and better each week. Six for 79, one touchdown. Kobe Prentice, the freshman, nine catches, 66 receptions. Isaiah Bond. Another freshman, two for 39 through the year. And then JoJo Earl, one catch late, one for 42. Um, They do not have a receiver necessarily to rely on. But, John, as you mentioned, uh, Bryce Young, Bryce Young spreads it out, and he's elevating the play. Uh, He's elevating that offense. Alabama loses 49 to 52 on the road. John, you also covered Penn State at Michigan for us. Uh, Michigan was favored by seven. And they cover in this one, rushing for 418 yards on the day. They ran through that Nittany Lion offense, or defense, excuse me. You know, Felix, I love fantasy. I love the big home run. But if you love this game of football, sometimes it comes down to pure physical violence. Michigan brought in Penn State. And what they did is they just took their offensive line that might have four NFL starters on it right now. And they just took those uber athletes. Penn State has athletes who are fast on defense. There's no question about that. But you know what, Felix? Michigan took them to the woodshed. They just literally physically beat them up. I mean, the two runs that Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum had. You have elite vision. They got through the traffic, but then they exploded upfield. So you have two young men who can carry the football, and I think there's two levels of vision. There's vision in traffic, and there's vision at the second level. Blake Corum has unbelievable vision in traffic, and he has unbelievable vision at the second level. Look at that, 166 yards. And why I believe that Blake Corm is a legitimate second-round pick, Felix, he's 205 listed. I'm hoping he's over 200. I'm really into that 200. But the thing that's most impressive, he is a between-the-tackles runner. Felix, he is so good in traffic. I mean, it's just unbelievable. He finds the smallest creases and he explodes through them. The NFL is going to love that, Felix. He carried the load today, 28, 166 yards, two touchdowns. That's 33.1 fantasy points. And you mentioned Donovan Edwards. They both had, both Corm and Edwards had 60-plus yard touchdowns today. Donovan Edwards, uh, his best game uh, here in his short career, 16 for 173 yards, two touchdowns, one reception for, for 21 yards, 32.4 fantasy points on the day. Yeah, I thought both of them played great. And I'll just have one other thing. I don't even know if these Michigan receivers are any good, Felix. Cornelius Johnson and Ronnie Bell, they seem to be pretty good, but they are in the wrong system, the wrong scheme. Who knows if they were at a more prolific passing game, what their development would be, what their production would be. I think both of them have talent. 
but is it like Nico Collins and the, um, Donovan Peoples-Jones? They're just getting stymied. Where is the um, progression of skills? I think that you just end up in Michigan and these receivers don't develop like they should. Both young men have talent, but you look at the numbers and you're just like, I don't know what to do with these guys. I mean, if they get draft capital, they're interesting, right? But I don't, you know, they're not like I'm hanging my hat on either one of these young men. J.J. McCarthy only had to throw 24 passes today, 145 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, does as five for 57 on the ground. Over on the Penn State side, it might be Drew Aller time. Uh, Sean Clifford, seven for 19, 120 yards passing. He did have a very long 60-yard run that sets up a Katron Allen TD. He had the breakaway. He just couldn't. Uh, he got caught from behind. Uh, Drew Aller did come in in this one, five for 10 for 37 yards. Nick Singleton, the phenom freshman, just six for 19 in this one. Katron Allen did have a touchdown, six for 16. Parker Washington, three for 33. We thought that he would kind of uh, dominate the target share there and be the player that that Jahan Dotson was last year. That hasn't been the case. Mitchell Tinsley has um, been kind of playing the same role as Washington. Mitchell Tinsley with five for 57 in this one. You know, I think you brought up a great point. I think if you're Franklin, you have to ask yourself, what is Sean Clifford going to do for my program at this point? They're five and one. Now, they're not going to win the Big Ten. They're not getting to the postseason. I'm all about the future at a certain point. If Clifford had won this game somehow, you, you keep them in. I get it, right? You're going for the big, big ticket. Right now, they're not going anywhere. What do they got? A bowl game on December 30th, maybe? It's Drew Alar time in my book. I've got to get that young man behind center. I got to get him making, you know, seeing blitzes, throwing the football. I was wrong on Go ahead. And I was going to say, and Drew Alar can go seven for 19. He can do that himself. Yeah, there's nothing. Apparently, there's nothing that he can't do that Sean Clifford can't do. Maybe Clifford's a little better with the legs just based on experience, but I don't care about that. I've got to try to get this team into a Big Ten championship game. I've got to compete against Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I've got to get this young man maybe in 2024. He's ready to be a star in college, but sitting on the bench right now isn't going to get me there. And and, and, and Sean not, Clifford's not getting me anywhere. And, and when they play tougher competition, Sean Clifford's not going to get you there either. John, stick around. We're going to bring you back for the panel. We have to talk about Hendon Hooker, who you were very high on early in the season. we got to talk more about him. So we appreciate it, John. Matt Bruning, get in here. Um, Iowa State was uh, – uh, Texas was a 15 and a half point favorite yeah. in this one. Texas wins 24 21. Um, Quint Ewers, okay. Hunter Decker's probably had the best game of his young career, but Texas yeah. survives, and I guess they keep their alleged playoff hopes alive, according to you. They do, baby. Remember, 20,000, 20,001. Uh, they do hold on and win 24 to 21 here against. Iowa State, um, a rough game for Texas. They did not look necessarily, I should say they didn't. Bijan looked amazing, but Quinn struggled a little bit in this game. Let's start with the team that lost. You mentioned Hunter Deckers. He did have a very good game. Oh, sorry. What is that? That's not supposed to be up there. Uh, Hunter Deckers was 25 of 36, uh, 329 yards. He does get two touchdowns through the air and adds one through the ground on the ground. Running backs don't do much of anything in this one. Um, Xavier Hutchinson could not be stopped, though, on uh, and I was uh, wide receivers. 154 yards. He doesn't get a touchdown, but I swear every time that dude ran a route, he was open against this Texas defense. You would think they would try and stop him, considering he's one of the top uh, leaders in receptions right now in college. Xavier Hutchinson for one fifty-four touchdown, yeah. but 25.4 fantasy points. Artavius Horton. Um, is getting healthy. I think he's going to eventually be the uh, uh, 
running back one there for Iowa State, just six for 15. And this one, Jaleel Brock was out. Hunter Deckers was 25 for 35, 329 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, finally getting going on the ground for Hunter Deckers, eight for 30 and won 26 fantasy points for him. And a breakout game of sorts for Jalen Noel, Jalen Noel, the small speedster. I think he should be rostered in 100% of C2C leagues, anticipating a breakout next year. Uh, six for 94 and two touchdowns, 27.4 fantasy points for the sophomore. Yeah, Hunter Decker is, um, in all honesty, probably wins it, wins them this game if he does not fumble on a questionable targeting call. Uh, one view, it did look like the Texas defender did kind of connect with the side of his helmet. The other looked like it was straight into his shoulder, regardless of fumble. Gives Texas the win. Um, our king. Quinn Ewers, again, I mentioned not necessarily a massive day. 172 yards through the air, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, look, he he looked a, a little bit more human in this one. Still 25 fantasy points, um, but didn't quite look like he did against he Oklahoma. He had 17 fantasy points, according to my According well, to my, uh, I don't know what kind uh, of league you play in, but uh, 25.3 in, in most of the leagues that I play in the fun ones uh, where we count all points. Bijan Robinson, though, did have a massive day 135 on the ground again, four catches to 36. Had an amazing catch over the middle down in the red zone uh, for Texas, just continues to absolutely dominate. Roshan Johnson was a key figure for them in this game, actually. While the, the stats don't say he had a massive game, just a 71 yards. They leaned on him in some big plays in the third and fourth quarter to get first downs, to get Texas to the point where they took the lead and then to end up holding on to win this game. Roshan Johnson, who is on Bruce Feldman's freak list, who many think is going to have a better uh, NFL career than than collegiate career. He's been a backup. He's a quarterback turned uh, turned running back. So be on the lookout for Roshan Johnson in the third round or as a UDFA in uh, Dynasty Rookie Draft next year. Yeah, he, he was very impressive in this game. Uh, last but not least, of course, Jatavian Sanders, Xavier Worthy, and Jordan Whittington, who, again, the stats don't say had a great game here, just two for 27 and a touchdown, but he has been extremely impressive. He was a big player in that Oklahoma game, had a couple key blocks in this one as well for both Bijan and Roshan. Xavier Worthy gets a two touchdowns, 72 yards, and Jatavian Sanders, a little bit of a quiet day after a massive day against Oklahoma, just 37 yards on three catches. Still a, five, a top five tight end. Xavier Worthy scores on a post corner. Good ball from Quinn Ewers there. And they're in the red zone. Running a post corner, for, uh, you know, from the 15 in is not it's not easy to do because you got to create space quickly. And then he had scores on a three-yard whip route. He can do a little bit of everything. Xavier Worthy, despite his size, might be headed for first-round NFL draft capital in 2024. Matt, you also covered uh, uh, the, the other king potentially for uh, the quarterback three crown in the 2023 class. Mississippi State at Kentucky. Mississippi State goes down 720. How did Bill Lovis and company pull this one out? Uh, so they honestly look like the better team the entire time. Let's start on Mississippi State side here. Will Rogers struggled um, in a game that I did not expect him to. Kentucky's defense I don't think has been ex- – Good rushing the passer. They were in Will Rogers' face the entire game today. Just one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Does throw for 203 yards, but, I mean, he was moving around as much as he could in the pocket, trying to make plays. It just was not happening for him. They could not get the running game going. Uh, Jaquavius Marks here just 14 yards on the ground. Did get a couple big uh, passing plays, seven receptions for 60. Dylan Johnson also, I believe, only had 15 yards rushing. Like, they just couldn't do anything on the ground. Jaden Wally returned, uh, their wide receiver. One of the guys Austin was very high on last year, but none of them do anything. If you guys are watching live here, Austin Williams, three for 34 and a touchdown. Jaden Wally, two for 32. Caleb Ducking, five for 32. It was just not a good game for at all, at all for Mississippi State and this uh, passing offense. On Kentucky. Robert Ra- Ra- Thomas has had some other uh, yeah. good games, just one for 15 yeah. in this one. Yeah, they they were they were blanketing all these wide receivers and again pressuring Will Rogers a ton. Like he was not given any time to get the ball off. Will Levis comes back in this game. Um, and I gotta give him props. Look, he's dealing with the turf toe injury that kept him out of the game last week. They talked about on the the game cast. He was wearing a cleat one size bigger than the one on his other foot. He had steel stuff inside the shoe to keep the toe from getting too banged up. And he goes out there and he made some plays in this one. 230 yards passing, one touchdown again. Only seven yards on the ground, but he cannot run with this turf toe. Did have a big pick six, uh, but then ended up again 
leaning on himself and Chris Rodriguez, who had a massive game for them, 197 on the ground and two touchdowns. They salted that game away in the third and fourth quarter when it looked like Mississippi State was trying to make a run to get back into this one, um, and they they closed it out. Unfortunately, the wide receivers didn't do much in this one. Dane Key just had one big 31-yard play. Barry and Brown, though. One of our favorite freshmen continues to be absolutely amazing. 62 yards on seven catches and did have another kick return taken to the house, but was called back on a crap penalty, in my opinion. Otherwise, I'd had an even bigger day. Barry and Brown just continues to be. He, he is the best kick returner in, yeah. in the country, uh, a member of the class of 2025. He's a top five wide receiver in that freshman class. So if you're paying attention, pay attention to Barry and Brown because he's going to be on NFL rosters. Will Levis is squarely squarely on the Jay Cutler, uh, Drew Locke spectrum, squarely on that spectrum. So, um, all right, Matt, appreciate you covering those two games. And obviously we will come back to you with the panel. Barnabas Lee at PKJB Lee on Twitter. See, I remembered it this time. You did it. You covered, you covered USC at Utah. That game just concluded. USC is undefeated no more. Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy game. Utah recently has been getting into some back and forth shootouts, and it's it's been really wild. Um, I will say, Felix, you've been giving me some uh, some Brock Hewer games recently, and I'm a little bit upset about that. But uh, that's <laughs> that's a separate note. Um, but you know, USC's only too happy to oblige in the form of a touchdowns only, defense is optional game, um, and th- this this game. You know, 85 points scored. That's, that's you know, crazy. Uh, to open the game, Utah zooms down the field. Travis Dyes scores right away. And a missed field goal by Utah gives uh, USC the advantage. And they go into half uh, with the Trojans up 28 to 21. But the second half is when Dalton Kincaid put the Utah Utes on his back. Rub your eyes. You know, that's you're not dreaming. 16 receptions for 234 yards by a tight end. You know, Brant Creeth is out out for the season, apparently. And so, you know, Kincaid, Kincaid's the guy now, and he's getting all the targets. And, you know, he was banged up. He was getting medical attention practically every time he touched the ball in the second half. But, you know, he was muscling through it. Um, crazy day on him. Uh, you know, fantasy owners were happy enough with 85 yards going to the first half. But, you know, he really put the team on his back in the second half. And like, both defenses just couldn't stop the opposing offense on both sides. It, it just wasn't close. Um, in the first half, you know, Clark Phillips was struggling with Jordan Essence speed, like I wrote about earlier this year. Um, Jordan Essence still, you know, finishes with seven catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just like, it was beautiful. It was work of art. He was running past Clark Phillips, who could be a day one uh, corner. Um, <clears throat> Jordan Essence uh, goes down with an injury in this one after being tackled. It does not look good. It looks like it's a knee injury. We're not doctors here, but fingers crossed that we get to see Jordan Addison again this season. Um, but we're going to find out if we don't, if we don't, we're going to find out more about um, his medical evaluation when we get into the draft process. But fingers crossed for the health of Jordan Addison. Absolutely. I will, I will be keeping an eye on that. And I think, we, you know, we all should be because uh, USC season might hang a little bit in the balance there on that. Um, because after Jordan Addison went out that offense, you know, Utah was able to play a little even across the board on defense and they, they looked a little bit better against them. Um, but Utah scores with 48 seconds left on the clock. And it wasn't even a question. Cam rising didn't even bother looking at the sideline. He knew he was going for two there. He finishes the day 34, 44, 415 yards, two touchdowns, adds three touchdowns on the ground as well. The guy's a baller. He, you know, he's scrappy and he, Tavion Thomas gets stuffed at the goal line. Doesn't matter. Uh, Cam Rising dives into the end zone. Tavion Thomas is, finishes the day. Eight carries for 28 yards. He got um, stuffed all day. Catch. He got stuffed yeah. all day. He didn't even get the most ca- uh, carries in that backfield because Micah Bernard actually did with 11 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Although Micah Bernard did uh, lose a fumble. Um, but yeah, so uh, Cam Rising goes for two with 48 seconds left. Caleb Williams was having trouble breathing apparently the entire game. And so, but he just couldn't find that last gasp um, try to uh, beat Utah. And so they hold on with a two point conversion. Um, Caleb Williams finishes the day 25 for 42, 381 yards, five touchdowns, only one of which was to a starting receiver. His other four were to Michael Jackson, the third, Josh Fallow, his tight end. Uh, whose only two catches were those tight touchdowns and Kyron Hudson. Um, and so, you know, r- rough day on that end. Travis Dye has an amazing, uh, 
fantasy day again. Uh, 11 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, probably a day better. three NFL, uh, day three NFL running back, Travis Dye. Yeah, uh, Matt Bruning would like to say he's a he's a day two guy, but yeah, I I agree with you, uh, day three. Um, but yeah, uh, eleven catches, seventy six yards, and a touchdown. More efficient than we've seen from him, honestly. He's kind of a grinded out guy more, um, and he had three catches for forty three yards, including the only yardage that uh, USC got on that last dri- last cast drive. Uh, Mario Williams uh, was also a good. Uh, he leads the team in receiving, four catches for one hundred forty five yards. Um, you know, Very they, they were running all over the place. Defenses Mario just weren't Williams. stopping anyone. So, yeah. Yeah, USC goes down. Um, you know, their playoff hopes on the fringes, they got to uh, finish strong to still be a contender. Barnabas, you also covered Oklahoma State at TCU. This one went into double overtime. Uh, this one was going on at the same time Alabama and Tennessee most people were paying attention to that game this game was excellent in its own right TCU coming all the way back for the win yeah you know TCU struggled a little bit to get going in their first couple drives but they finally gain momentum when they find uh when they start throwing to Quentin Johnston you know 69 yards for three catches on that first drive uh the score turned out the same but really you have to keep in mind it was double overtime uh, so not quite as much of a shootout as USC Utah was. Um, but yeah, so TCU finally gets, finds their footing with, once they start targeting Quentin Johnston. Um, and then the teams went into, Quentin Johnston finishes the day as the leading receiver on the entire field. And it just, he was dominating. Eight catches for 180 yards and a touchdown, um, including one in uh, the one in overtime. So uh, that was really key. Um you know, so the teams went into half at 24-13, which isn't, you know, sh- it's it's high scoring, but it's not shootout territory necessarily. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State forced three different field, three field goals uh, from TCU, who was supposed to be the efficient, like, chug-chug uh, offense, and they, they were struggling a little bit. Um, in the second half, after trading a couple field goals, o- Oklahoma State fades down the stretch. They had four drives that totaled 12 plays total and 33 total yards. That's not ideal, you know, um, in, which resulted in three punts and an interception. Um, so, you know, going to overtime, third, tied 30 to 30. In the first period, both quarterbacks find one of their receivers. Uh, you know, Dugan finds Quinn Johnston um, and uh, Sanders finds Braden Johnson for 25 yards, uh, except Dominic Richardson punches in for punches it in for Oklahoma State. And then in, uh, later in overtime, uh, we got um, uh, Oklahoma State got set back on a holding call that they had to kick the field goal for. And Dugan gets a 12 yard rush uh, on third and nine. And Kendra Miller, uh, even though Kendra Miller was uh, stuffed. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So the real story here is Dominic Richardson. Yeah, you can you can pull that back up. Um, he led the team in both receiving and rushing here. 22 carries, 72 yards and a touchdown. Three receptions, 79 yards. Uh Big day for big day for the uh, running back. I told here. the people. I told the people Dominic Richardson would have a great day today. He was excellent against TCU uh, last year. People who don't know, Dominic Richardson originally committed to TCU. Zach Evans was a late addition to that running back class for TCU. So Dominic Richardson um, decides to decommit very late in the process and then goes back to Oklahoma State. Good fantasy today if you if you started him. Absolutely. Um, the quarterbacks, uh, had decent stat numbers, but not anything really to write home about Spencer Sanders finishes the day 16 for 36, 245 yards, a pick and a touchdown, um, and add 68 yards and the two touchdowns on the ground. Um, none of his receivers really had all that, uh, you know, notable performances. John Paul, Jane Bray after, uh, playing last week did not play in this game. Yeah, with a hand injury. That's right. Um, so John Paul Richardson, the slot guy, gets the most uh, touches with five catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then after that, it was, uh, you know, Brendan Presley, four catches, 39 yards. Braden Johnson, three catches for 38 yards. It was kind of split even a little bit across the board uh, with the starters. Um, on the other side, Dugan, you know, Mr. Efficiency himself, 23 for 40, uh, 286 yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions, adds 57 yards on the ground and a touchdown, including, you know, the the key third and nine conversion in overtime. Uh, really, it was just a, like a easy read and he just takes it around the corner. Uh, Kendra Miller adds 22 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he did have a fumble, but that that was recovered by the Horn Frogs. Um, he adds... Um, 
a catch for 17 yards. Um, and we also got Quentin. We, we, you, let's pull Quentin Johnson back up again. Eight catches, 180 yards and a touchdown is just, he, he was the only one with any really notable uh, fantasy value among the wide receivers in this game. And he was just showing it, um, you know, a little bit of Martavis Bryant to his game and it, it, it showed. And, you know, it, um, I think the most interesting stat line um, that I, I don't think uh, we have a graphic for, though, is uh, Darius Davis, who's their kick returner. He had three kick returns for 45 yards, but did have a muff, which uh, gave uh, Oklahoma State a big chance. And he also had um, five catches for eight yards and one carry for one yard. It was an interesting stat line, to say the least. But yeah. Uh, Jordan Addison injured. Kayshawn Boutte not performing. Jackson Smith and Jigba has been injured. There's a there's a chance that Quentin Johnston is the first wide receiver off the board come April. Barnabas, we will come back to you. Appreciate you covering those two games for us. That brings us to Kansas at Oklahoma. Kansas goes down 42, uh, 42-52. Um, Kansas, uh, was Kansas favored in this one? Was Oklahoma, Oklahoma was favored in this one. I got my notes wrong here. Uh, Oklahoma was favored by 10. They don't cover. Jalen Daniels is out. Jason Bean goes 16 for 27, 265 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. His player prop was one and a half touchdowns over under that on pl- on prize picks. That was an easy one. Uh, adds 10 for 41 on the ground, 26.7 fantasy points, or at least according to my scoring. 26.7. Devin Neal, the running back there at Kansas, 12 for 84, one touchdown, adds one reception for three yards. It's 15 fantasy points. It's been different wide receivers who are leading there for uh, Kansas. This week, it's Lawrence Arnold, five for 113, two touchdowns, and Mason Fairchild, six for 106 and two. Quentin Skinner had a good game last week. He's only one for seven in this one. On the Oklahoma side, Dylan Gabriel's back, playing well. Uh, 403 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Eric Gray, I keep saying this, Eric Gray continues to have a better season this season than we thought he would have last season with Lincoln Riley at the helm. 20 carries, 176 yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for uh, uh, 13 yards. Javante Barnes, we like him as a freshman, a north-south runner there. 21 carries, 69 yards, and two touchdowns. Marvin Mims, probably going to be a day two NFL draft pick. He adds nine for 106, no touchdowns. And Braden Willis, the senior, uh, five for 102 and one. Oklahoma wins this shootout 52 to 42. Uh, Kansas, Cinderella, Cinderella no more. That brings us to NC State at Syracuse. There was no Devin Leary in this one, so this was a, a two top 25 teams, but without Leary, it kind of uh, put a damper on this game. NC State 9, Syracuse 24. Jack Chambers is in for Devin Leary. He goes 18 for 30, 160 yards. So not a great passing day, 19 for 58 through the air. The only player that you might have started was Jordan Houston, 12 for 44 in this one, adds three for 29 through the air. No Demi Sumo in this one. Over on the Syracuse side, Garrett Schrader, we like his dual threat ability, 16 for 25, 210 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 16 carries on the ground, 81 yards. Sean Tucker, everyone's favorite diminutive running back, 14 for 98, one touchdown, four for 14 through the air. And Aronde Gatskin, Gatston, excuse me, uh, eight for 141 and two. Colin Decker on the Campus Life podcast did not recognize this name. Of course, this is the son of the f- former Miami Dolphins receiver, Aronde Gaston Sr. We need to start learning his name because Gaston is having a uh, great season this season and uh, has NFL bloodlines. Undefeated Syracuse gets Clemson next week gotta of course include my mac game and i think i think i'm just following daquan finn wherever he goes 16 for 22 in this one 263 yards six touchdowns 14 carries 87 yards and one touchdown um 49 i got 50 fantasy points for that one for daquan finn he's got to be a candidate for the player of the week for camps to canton Penny Boone, Detroit stand-up. He doesn't score in this one. 20 carries, though, 84 yards for the baby bust there from Detroit King. Uh, on the receiving game, Jerron Newton, 5 for 125 and 2. Mikael Barkley, 3 for 61 and 2. 
touchdowns. Uh, great win for the Toledo Rockets in this one. On the Kent State side, Colin Slee, we're going to start him when we have an action. 13 for 26, 162 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. But he does get it done on the ground for you. 10 carries, 56 yards, two touchdowns. Marquez Cooper, 31 carries, 166 yards, and two. Dante Cephas, up and down. This is a kind of a middling game. Five for 68 uh, in this one. No touchdowns. That's it. That's the rundown. Cut the music. Um, we're going to get into more of these games in just a minute, but we are going to start with the G5 Minute. Every week we uh, uh, get together with Hannah Page, our creative lead, to take us around the group of five. It's a segment we call the G5 Minute. Hey everyone, this is Hannah Page with the G5 Minute. Each week, I bring you highlights from the group of five, as well as major G5 producers for the day. More specifically, I'll mostly be talking about the Sunbelt Fumbelt today. Clay Helton and the Georgia Southern Eagles were victorious against the undefeated number 25 James Madison Dukes. They won by a score of 45-38, to and both teams put up a ton of yards. James Madison had 675 yards, while Georgia Southern had 590. But turnovers really cost James Madison the game. Quarterback Todd Santeo had 468 yards, two touchdowns, and an uncharacteristic three interceptions. Meanwhile, 98% of Georgia Southern's offensive production was through the air. Quarterback Kyle Van Treese went 38 of 64, for 578 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Receivers Amari Jones, Caleb Hood, and Jeremy Singleton each had over 100 yards. Old Dominion went on the road and upset the undefeated Coastal Carolina 49-21. Old Dominion's Blake Watson ran for a school record 256 yards and three touchdowns. That's pretty remarkable, made even more remarkable by the fact that the Monarchs have been averaging just 71 rushing yards per game. And since defeating Notre Dame, Marshall has gone 1-3 with losses to Bowling Green, Troy, and now Louisiana. Like Middle Tennessee, I think this is a pretty suspect team who has been hyped up because of a big win. Regardless, running back Kalen Laburn is still consistently good. He's only had 100-plus yard rushing games nothing less. A total of 851 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, and 10 total touchdowns. In terms of rushing yards over expected, he's not really doing anything out of this world. He's just a good, big, physical, and efficient runner. Looking ahead, there will be some good games next Friday and Saturday within Conference USA. UAB will be playing at WKU, and North Texas will be playing at UTSA. I think those two games will reveal who is fighting for that conference championship spot. That does it for the G5 Minute. Until next week. Thank you so much, Hannah. And you can catch the G5 Minute every Saturday right here on College Fantasy Tonight. Let's bring the entire panelist. Entire panel, Matt Bruning, Barnabas Lee, and of course, John Lobb. John, I want to start with you here uh, because you were very high on Hendon Hooker coming into the season. He's going to be 25 when he uh, uh, enters the NFL draft at the end of the season. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Hendon Hooker is a first-round pick and that he's worthy of that draft capital should he get it? Am I Sorry. muted or is John muted? There Sorry we go. about right, that. Here we go. Um, uh, first round draft capital, I'm going to give him an eight. I have a second round grade on him. I'm very close. I'm debating him, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, where I rank him compared to those two prospects. Hurts was a second round pick, and I believe Prescott was a third round pick. But Hooker's in the same bo- – oh, he's a fourth – um, they're in the same bucket. Um, I like everything that he does. I Like you said, I had him so high before the season started. When I placed him into my model, 
He hit every benchmark that I'm looking for. The only concern is, yes, possibly his age. However, let's put it into context. When he arrived at Virginia Tech, that was a disaster program on the downward slope. He had no coaching to make him better. The playmakers had disappeared. He obviously had no help. They put they they pulled him in. They pulled him out. I I listened to two interviews in the last month. The young man is bright. He's charismatic. He can lead men. He reminds me very much of Jalen Hurts when I listened to Jalen Hurts in interviews beforehand. He has everything that I'm looking for. Yeah, you could argue about his, you know, maybe he has a little bit too much air on the balls. Maybe he doesn't zip it in there all the time, but you can win with other things. I want I try to look at quarterbacks. How do they win? There's a lot of ways Hendon Hooker wins. I don't focus too much on what they can't do. I focus on what they can do because if you get them in the right coach, in the right system, they will highlight those skills and allow them to be successful at the NFL level. Matt Barnabas, do you see uh, Hendon Hooker as being a first-round NFL draft pick? I mean, if I had to rate it from one to ten, I'd probably say a four or five. I just, I, I've, I've said often, I, I think this is really just a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud class. Like, I do think there's a shot that Hendon Hooker gets second round draft capital. Would it be insane to see him get first round draft capital? No, we've seen NFL teams take guys like Brandon Whedon in the first round. And I'm not saying Hendon Hooker is Brandon Whedon. I think he's better than him. But like we, we were just talking before the show, right, about a Travis Etienne or a Rashad Penny. Like these guys get drafted in the first round, probably shouldn't go there. I don't know that Hendon Hooker is a very good quarterback, but I don't see like an elite area that he will like thrive over some other players so i personally don't think he gets first round draft capital but i do think he gets drafted on day two especially if he goes out there and continues to perform the way he has this year yeah i i'd say maybe a three i'm not quite as bullish on hooker i think he is i think he has a little bit of a slow processor honestly and it works because hypo system doesn't require him to go through a full progression um, but you know, some of the arm strength concerns I, I have, you know, it, it's not just that he doesn't zip it in there. He floats it in there. And, you know, it, it's one thing if he, if he can do it, but chooses not to, but like, I don't think he can zip that thing in there. And that's, that's my issue. And, you know, I think with this last draft, we teams have demonstrated, they're not afraid to not take a quarterback in the first round anymore. And especially for developmental guys and Hendon Hooker is a developmental guy at the end of the day. And so while there are exciting tools, he's not going to start right away. And so if he's 25 and you're waiting on him for a year or two, I, I, I can't see first round. I wouldn't be surprised, I guess. Um, I would be disappointed, but um, I, I just don't see a guy that, you know, uh, like Matt said, Jake Locker, sure. And uh, those guys too were top 10 picks and stuff uh, like I, and they don't have the athletic tools and they also had slow tickers a little bit. So um, I think there's a chance, but I, I don't see the skill set and the difference between uh, Stroud and Young compared with the rest of the group is big enough that I think that teams would be willing to wait a little bit. I really wonder if we're at we're seeing a new era in the NFL where guys like Jake Locker, EJ Manuel, Christian Ponder, Johnny Manziel, we don't see that type of player go in the middle to the end of the first round. Sam Howell, I thought was an excellent prospect. I cannot believe he fell to the to the fifth round, and so maybe we don't see NFL teams taking chances on those guys. I want to go back to the scale here, John, this one to ten scale, but ask about a different player again from this Alabama Tennessee game, Jameer Gibbs. There were concerns about his ability to run in between the tackles. Is he just a scat back? There are concerns about his size. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Jameer Gibbs will be a RB1 in fantasy in the NFL? And so I'm considering, you know, for two or more seasons, not just a flash in the pan, that he has some sustained NFL, sustained value as an RB1 at the NFL. How confident are you, John? I'm going to assume we're talking PPR scoring because that seems to be the norm. I have a seven as confidence. He is just a great pass catcher. I don't think he gets given enough credit for how good of a pass catcher he is. 
He is so good in space. He finds the open area. He goes upfield immediately. He has great hands from what I can tell. I mean, I think he's everything you want. I don't know if he's Najee Harris good. I don't know if he's Bijan. I think Bijan's special. And I thought Najee Harris was special. But, man, he's damn close. He's really close. And you see what he did with some of those wheel routes at Georgia Tech. Because you, I look at the three years. I'm not just looking at Alabama. I'm measuring what this young man did in three years. I thought they used him even more effectively in the passing game at Georgia Tech than they do at Alabama. So I'm going to go back to the tape in 2020 and 2021 when I thought he was a better pass catcher than he is a runner. Now I actually kind of think what I've seen the last three weeks, he's a better runner than I even gave him. And I liked him as a runner, but I think he's much better. So I give him a seven because he could easily get 60 receptions a year in the right offense. Look at what Najee Harris did last year with an ancient Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball to him. I mean, we could have that type of season. If he ended up with a, a Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, late in the career type of player, Gibbs could be amazing. Yeah, I've consistently said that Jameer Gibbs could be a, a hundred reception um, uh, running back at, at the NFL level. He could be a guy who does a thousand and a thousand. I really believe that. And I also agree with you, John. I even wrote it when he tra- entered the transfer portal that the, Hopefully the the his new team would use him as efficiently in the passing game because at Georgia Tech they ran him on a lot of downfield wheel routes, put him in the slot, moved him all over the place. We haven't seen him deploy on the field the way Georgia Tech did on on option on arrow routes the way Georgia Tech did, but maybe they'll use him that way uh, at the NFL. Barnabas, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this because you're considering these things from an NFL draft perspective. You know, it, the one knock on him is he does have a slider flame, but he's he's got really contact balance considering that frame. And as John mentioned, excellent pass catcher, can be deployed down the field. If he gets with an Andy Reid or a Kyle Shanahan, I think oh. he could have a really high a really high ceiling. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to take the coward's way out here and be a little bit of a pessimist. I'll give it a solid 5 out of 10. Um, And, Mm. (laughs) you know, most things in the NFL I think you can bet is not going to happen. And most of the time you're going to be right, to be fair. But um, I think it's of no fault of Jameer Gibbs at all. I think he's a very good runner and, frankly, a way better runner than I thought going into this season. Um, And he's, you know, obviously still has that receiving ability. I just also think that, you know, the NFL is moving a little bit different now in that we have teams that are way more willing to have these tandem backfields, even if it's just two guys, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, obviously. So like Zeke and Tony Pollard or like Notre Dame has been sending these slot receivers into the NFL to be turned into running backs for a while now. I think there's something to be said about... uh, I don't think, I think gone are the days where we have Derrick Henry getting 200 carries and such. Like, um, even if Jameer Gibbs is a guy that'll lead a backfield, which I don't know that he will, um, he is kind of the guy that, uh, he, I think offensive coordinators are going to try to save save him for passing situations, you know, kind of like a way in which like people want Cordero Patterson to be deployed, you know, that's kind of the feeling I get where it's like, we we want him to get 20 touches and maybe no more because that'll be the most effective uh, and efficient touches he'll get. And so um, I'm not sure. I, I think the NFL is moving away from it. And I think that uh, even if an offensive coordinator gets to play with it, play with him as a weapon, I think they'll try to be use him sparingly in order to save him, especially with a slight frame. Yeah, I was going to go with the six, so I love that Barnabas and John went in with the five and the seven. Um, <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the concerns I have are kind of what Barnabas just said. Like, I don't have those concerns about Bijan because of his size, and I think just his build, and I think the way teams will view him and use him coming out. It's not that I don't think Gibbs can hold up to being a workhorse back. I don't know that the NFL will view him that way. Everybody comps him to Alvin Kamara, but Kamara's got like 20 pounds on him easily. I think Kamara is a tad bit more elusive as a runner as well. I think Gibbs is going to be good. I 
Do I see him possibly getting to an RB1 season? Yes, if deployed in the right offense, which is kind of my biggest fear with him. I don't think you have to say that about Bijan. I think wherever Bijan goes, he will thrive and probably be an RB1. Gibbs is a player I think has to be schemed and goes to the right offense. Like I'll just use my Cleveland Browns as an example. If he goes to the Browns and they put him in the Kareem Hunt role, he's not going to be – he may get some weeks if Dick Chubb's out or whoever they use to replace him. There's a lot of places I think in the NFL, if he gets drafted to, he won't be able to produce the way we want him to in the in the fantasy side of things. So I would go a, a five or six. I think he's going to be great. And Shane Hallam mentioned this in a zone blocking scheme, finding the back line is so patient. And he gets to the second level oftentimes without being touched. We saw that during his time at Georgia Tech. Matt, I want to give you this last question here. Um, again, sticking with Alabama. Sticking with Alabama, which of these receivers do you have the most faith in? Who has the highest ceiling? I mean, honestly, I don't have faith in any of them because they've all been bad. But if I had to pick one, it would be Ja'Cory Brooks. Uh, I had him rated the highest out of all of the Alabama wide receivers coming into the season, including Jermaine Burton. Struggled to get on the field early, but he's kind of been the guy who's been there for Bryce Young in these big moments. I know he has not quite produced it the way I had hoped he would starting out the season, but he still continues to look good. I think that he will continue to progress and look better and better in this offense and be a guy we're talking about next year, possibly being the star wide receiver. The easy answer is Malik Benson, but he's not technically on the roster right now. I think he has a chance to be amazing. Obviously, the Juco kid who's transferring in next year, but if I had to go a guy on the roster right now, it's Ja'Cory Brooks. John? I said this, we talked about a little bit before the show. I'm out on every one of them. I I just don't think that room is impressive. I know they have a lot of pre-college rankings. I may be an old curmudgeon. I don't care what they did in high school. I don't care what 24-7 sports says. I care about what they've done with my eyes, watching Alabama play football. They have a Heisman quarterback arguably the greatest coach of all time, and they are literally doing nothing, like nothing. Can you imagine if they acted like Marvin Harrison Jr. at Alabama, how good he would be? These, they're just not performing. They need to retool. They need to go back to the transfer portal. They need to get some more guys in there because if you can't succeed with Bryce Young and Nick Saban, you're not good. Let me, this is breaking news. You're not good. I don't care what they said in high school. Barnabas, I know that you're considering things from an NFL draft perspective, and none of these guys are going to be draft eligible soon, other than Jermaine Burton, who I now think is is kind of coming back for his senior year. <laughs> Do you have a take on this wide receiver core, that uh, a guy that you prefer above the, uh, the others? I looked up the heights of everyone who caught a pass today. <laughs> Treshawn Holden and Ja'Cory Brooks are the only ones above six foot. And, you know, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I have a upper ceiling on how tall I would, I would think successful rod receivers in the NFL are. Ja'Cory Brooks, I, to me has the highest ceiling, but that's not really saying much. You know, I agree with John, like, you know, I granted the receivers were not the reason they lost today. It's because their safeties couldn't cover anybody. But uh, <laughs> that being said, Jacory Brooks actually looks like he can play above the rim sometimes. I, I I was surprised that he's listed at six foot two. Uh, I will say that um, he plays like a much smaller receiver, which is a compliment considering of all the skinny little guys that they have around running around there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see high draft capital for anybody, especially someone like Jermaine Burton right now. Um, and We'll see, you know, with whoever takes the reins at quarterback next year, if when they actually have to work to catch balls from Jalen Milrow, uh, maybe maybe we might see something different. Yeah. Uh, for those who did not watch this game, Alabama threw lines of wide, almost like a hockey team, throwing lines <laughs> of wide receivers. Uh, they played like six, seven guys in this one and constantly rotating them. I thought that Jermaine Burton was being benched, but it's he was just – didn't – the, the playing time was more evenly split through all throughout all the wide receivers there. All right. Uh, John Barnabas, we appreciate you stopping by John. You can find John's work at fan tracks and at the rookie big board, go to patreon.com slash rookie big board. John appreciate you joining us tonight. 
Oh, thank you for having me on. I had a blast. And what a great day of football. I'll talk to you guys all soon, my friends. Absolutely. Matt, let's do the left coast check-in here. Um, Kevin Coleman normally joins us. Kevin's off tonight. Washington State at Oregon State. We talked a little bit th- about this one before. I don't know if it's gone final. But yes, Cameron right. Ward having one of the uh, not as good a performance as we've come to expect from him, from a guy who had been playing increasingly well every single week. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it was not a horrible performance. Uh, 25 for 54, um, does get 354 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. But again, I think Oregon State is just a very good defense. They've shown that in the Pac-12, they've been able to slow down these offenses, including Caleb Williams just a couple weeks ago. I mean, they if, if Chance Nolan does not throw that interception, they end up probably going off and beating uh, USC. So he does not have a horrible game. Uh, who is it? Richard? F- Robert Farrell is the wide receiver who leads the day here, 131 yards uh, through the air. Ben Goldbranson just continues to do what he does is be kind of mediocre. 12 for 24, 141, one touchdown, one interception. Damian Martinez, though, the freshman running back that we loved here at Campus to Canton, gets the bulk of the carries here for the Oregon State Beavers. 16 rushes for 111 yards. No touchdown, though, uh, in this game. What about Jalen Jenkins, the freshman running back for Washington State? How did he play today? That's a good question. I don't have an answer for you now. Because I already, <laughs> okay. I, I already well, got rid of Well, I'll filibuster here for a second. Jalen Jenkins, a five foot eight, uh, 185 pound running back on the smaller side. I think, you know, the, a Deuce Vaughn type who's very explosive. They used him in the passing game. They started to lean on Jalen Jenkins last week with uh, Nakia Watson being injured. Jenkins, who had already uh, been getting a lot of carries there for Washington State. They leaned on him more heavy, heavily. So um, he's going to look good amongst the freshman running back class played there in Texas. And uh, I just want to know if he has been deployed as the bell cow there for the Cougars. He, uh, so he did get the most carries with a whopping six for 42 yards. Uh, that not, uh, it, was, it was actually Cam Ward who led the group with 11 rushes. Again, they were not doing much here. He did, however, add 30 yards on four catches with a touchdown. Um, in the receiving game. So gets a touchdown at the end of the day. I will say it. I've said it. I said it last week. I'll say it this week. Jalen Jenkins, I think he should be rostered in 100% of C2C leagues. On the other side, uh, Matt, San Jose State and Fresno State, there are fantasy implications this, in this one. If you started Shea Cordero in the late yeah. game, Elijah Cooks, uh, I'm starting Elijah Cooks somewhere. How is this one turning out? So it's in the 11th minute in the third quarter here and San Jose state is up 10 to seven right now on Fresno state. Mm -hmm. Not, uh, not great. Uh, Chevin Cordero 11 for 23, 185 yards currently passing with one touchdown, one interception, but cooks is already having a good day. Again, already 11 minutes in four receptions for a hundred yards and one touchdown. Um, Fresno state does currently have the ball right now. Obviously, uh, without um, your guy, I don't know why I want to call it is Jake. Jake Kaner. In my head, I'm like, why do I no want to call Jake Kaner? That is yeah. his name. Um, Fife has been 15 for 21. Uh, 160. <laughs> they are so bad. They are yeah, so terrible without Jake Kaner. You mentioned Elijah Cooks. He's the former yeah. uh, Nevada wide receiver. Has a basketball background. There was at one point where I thought that he was an NFL player, maybe even still an NFL player, but uh, dealt with injuries last year and then had a suspension at some point, a long suspension in his in his career. So. We'll see. All right, Matt, you ready to close out the show? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Looking forward to next week, Mississippi State at Alabama. That should be a good one. Alabama goes back home. They try to get back on track. Bryce Young and company. Mississippi State, though, can score just like uh, Tennessee, so this should be a good one. Yeah, I I don't think it will be at the end. If if Mississippi State plays it all the way they did against Kentucky today, I think that is going to be over quickly. I mean, we saw how well Dallas Turner and uh, Will Anderson were able to get pressure on Hendon Hooker. He was able to make plays. Will Rogers does not have the mobility that that Hendon Hooker has, um, and Kentucky was all over him today. If Alabama's defense is able to play that way, I think Alabama is going to come in and put a lot of pain on Mississippi State, unfortunately. Well, a quarterback that does have some ability is Garrett Strader. Uh, Syracuse is on the road at Clemson. Two undefeated teams is probably going to be – Syracuse might be a top-10 team uh, when the rankings come out uh, early uh, next week. Syracuse at Clemson, this is going to be a good matchup. It's, let's hope it will be. I have some reservations. Uh, it was not – 
as much of a blowout going into the fourth quarter. I believe it was still 17 to nine. Um, NC State's defense held Syracuse in check for the most part. They really just kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. Clemson does have the best defense in the ACC. DJ, I, I'm just going to call him DJ you because I know I'll butcher his last name and I don't want to be disrespectful. So DJ just, he's looked better. And I think that he'll be able to put points on Syracuse defense, which is ranked fairly highly in a lot of categories, but I still don't feel like he's actually played a good offense yet. I think this is a sell high point for DJ Uyunglele. I would, I would probably even take a second round supplemental pick for DJ U if I could get it. UCLA at Oregon College day, game day is going to be there. Zach Charbonnet, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Troy Franklin, and company. We're going to be paying attention to them. But Matt, I know that you are going to be paying attention to Texas at Oklahoma State. This one has uh, big implications. Oklahoma State falls today, but still on the playoffs. Uh, on the, the playoff picture and the big 12 picture is going to be a big game. Yeah. I mean, this is a massive game for both Texas and Oklahoma state. I believe they switched to where it's the top two teams as well. I think that's what the way they have done it. The top two teams get into the big 12 championship. Oklahoma state still has a chance to do that. As long as TCU is the only undefeated team in the big 12, they need to get a win here against Texas. While Texas does have two losses in the loss column. One of them came to Alabama, obviously out of conference. So it's a massive game and Texas can get this win here. I believe that jumps them up to third in the conference uh, as they're trying to fight for a big 12 championship. I don't see how we, uh, how Jalen Hyde is not the player of the week this week. Uh, Five touchdowns, six receptions over 200 yards. I think it's Carl. Carl was the one who was, very yeah, big on Jalen Hyde, and he finally has the breakout of all breakouts. Somebody who could go to the NFL draft and run a four-two-forty and get you know drafted in the third or fourth round, like t- similar to Tyquan Thornton. All right, we'll pay attention to that. Good night, everyone.